0: I have life and life eternal because Jesus Christ took the nails for me, and He took the nails for you. He loves you with all He's got. Amen. Well, it's great to be here with you this morning, great to be worshiping with you, whether you're here in person or you're joining us online, man, we're just excited to be making much of Jesus Christ. And we are bringing this series to a close. In fact, all of the book of Hebrews coming to a close, but this series here specifically was Hebrews 12 and 13. And uh, just kind of closing that up, this series title, Greater, Jesus, My Passion. Jesus, My Passion. You know, when you look across all of Hebrews, the first 10 chapters talk about Jesus as the Son of God, the God of the universe, Almighty One who stepped down into this world for you and for me. And then it talks about him, not just the son of God, but lamb of God, that he died for us and rose for us. Your God loves you with all he's got, loves you and is pouring it on the line, stepped into this world, his perfection to cover our sin, our sin, which we cannot cover on our own. We are not good enough. There is nothing we could ever do to balance that differently. We come up short. We need a Savior, and Jesus Christ is that Savior. He died on the cross. He rose again. Your God for you, Lamb of God. But more than just Lamb of God, he then steps up in the last part of Hebrews. You see him as the great high priest. The one who ascends into the heavens, enters into the presence of God the Father, bringing the sacrifice that he's just offered and lays it out saying, I am offering this and it becomes the forgiveness that you and I have. Our hope is Jesus Christ, the high priest offering up once and for all, for all who will come and believe in him. Man, we have life in him. We have hope in him. Jesus Christ is our privilege. And all of God's people said... And so we're worshiping him in that, and Hebrews 12 and 13 is a call to action. So it's a call to get after a passion for him, and in fact, this last piece today is a call for the church to be fired up for Christ and to go after Christ. How should the church be interacting as we bring this to a close, looking all that we have In the book of Hebrews, all right. So that's where we're going as we jump into Hebrews thirteen. Before we go there, just real quickly, just a little bit of an update on what we're doing next, right? So next week we're launching into a new series. We're gonna be jumping into the book of Revelation, and we're gonna be walking through three series across the book of Revelation. Just so we're super clear, what we're gonna be doing is putting all the sermons and the impact group questions and the reading plans are all into a booklet. So we've already done that, we've already put these on order. We have 3,500 books sitting in Pastor Steve's office and my office, and we're getting ready to hand those out next week, all right? So this will be the first three chapters. There's going to be a book for each of the sermon series, the three different series throughout uh, this year and then next, all right? So we're still going to have a Christmas series, still going to have Easter and all that, but we're going to walk through the book of Revelation. That said, when you come next week, make sure you get your book. We're going to have people standing at each door. We're going to make sure we're handing these out. Everybody pick up your book. This is the sermon series for the entirety of it. You don't want to miss it, all right? If you're online, see you next week. Come here, grab your book. We'd love to have you. If you can at all, we would love to. Man, we're fired up to go after this. Let's launch this series in a huge way. By the way, just a little statement. Revelation, we all know it has some statements about end times in it, but just so we're super clear, the first three chapters, which is this first series, is all about the greatness of Jesus Christ. And the call to the church to wake up and get after it and celebrating him. Does it sound a lot like Hebrews 12 and 13? Like it's a great tie together. And so that's what we're going to be going after is this worship of Christ and a call to the church. May God get all the glory. The title of the series is called Wake Up Call. All right. So that's where we're headed. Excited for that. That's coming next week. That said, let's jump into our last sermon here for this week, uh, for this series. Hebrews 13, starting in verse 17. All right. Hebrews 13, starting in verse 17, this is a call for the church and what we should be going after and what it should look like. So point number one, allow your leaders to lead well and pray for them as they lead. Allow your leaders to lead well and pray for them as they lead. And this is a huge battle cry statement. The leadership within the church and all that God is doing, may we rally together, may we partner together, whether that's eldership or the staff, um, even down into our impact group leaders. Man, may our leadership lead towards Christ and may we work together in that and allow our leaders to lead along the way. All right? So let's jump into verse 17. It says, Obey your leaders, and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And then I love how he closes it. He says, pray for us. And notice how he says the word us, he's now including himself in the leadership of the church, right? So he starts out at the top, he says, obey your leaders and submit to them. Those are two verbs that we tend to not use in our society for adults interacting with other adults. Words like obey and submit are words we tend to use more for kids, right? We would talk about a child obeying a parent and we get kind of comfortable with that. But even then, as they grow up, we tend to dismiss those words away. Just so we're super clear, scripture doesn't dismiss those words away from us no matter what age we are. There's a call to submitting to one another and all of those things in relationship with one another. And so this is one of those call outs. It says to obey your leaders. Now this word obey may not be the word you think it is, right? When you hear the word obey, you might think of a word that means something like um, just get it in line. Like it's not that. Everybody say not that. Like, it's not a call to just get external actions in line, and it doesn't really matter what's going on inside. In fact, what's built in to this original language word is an understanding that kind of goes like, see the perspective they're taking, grasp the perspective of the leader, and then run along with that along, alongside of them. Right? This is an understanding that gets both the heart and the body in, in action together. This is a call to be able to be understanding and reasoning and partnering together. This isn't just a call to some kind of just do it and getting the action in line. It's not that at all. It's what's the perspective, what's trying to be accomplished, how do we partner together in this, is really the concept. Obey your leaders, and literally that word there, leaders, is the ones who are placed in charge. We know from Romans 13 that God places all authority in charge. God is literally placing all authority in charge. Let that settle for a moment. All authority, right? How much more so when you now start to talk about the church, all authority, God is beginning to work kind of in a top-down fashion. I'm just telling you, you know, we've been walking through the book of Hebrews, verse by verse, sentence by sentence, structure by structure, right? So this isn't... This isn't the passage that I dreamed of like, I can't wait to be able to wake up and preach this one this week. I'm gonna deliver this. It's a self-serving moment. I understand that. Let's just walk through together. What is God calling us to? How is God calling us to work with him over the top? May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said. Okay, so he calls us to this obeying your leaders, especially here specifically within the church, but broadly too. And then he says, and to submit to them. Now there's that word, right? And I say this a lot at weddings. I have a chance to do weddings here and there. And, and whenever you run into this word at the wedding, it's good to be able to describe it. There's an understanding that comes with that word as well, like losing your identity. Like you get no say like it's like be careful with those words that you just collapse in and it's not about it is about God using you and growing you in all that you are but it is also about ready here's the key allowing them to lead that's why i made the first point what i did the word submit is really about allowing others to lead grasping that that leadership has been put in place by God himself That's what that word means. So it's not losing identity. It's not even losing a say or asking for questions. It's not being able to understand things. It's none of that. It's being able to partner together. In fact, I'll even say it more strongly. It's also not, and if they ask you to sin, just go ahead and sin. Like it's not that. We're able to hold accountable to that with witnesses and all this scripture says, but not sin. Everybody say not sin. But as long as it's not sin and there's a call to lead, let's help to try to understand the perspective and try to run alongside with, may God get all the glory. That's the call out here, all right? And a huge call out in the church to go after that. It says, obey your leaders and submit to them. Strive to be able to kind of see the purpose and run alongside. For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Please hear the words, have to. Like just so we're super clear, the leadership of the, the elders of the church, the pastors, myself, we will have to give an account for what goes on. I stand before God on how this church is run and whether your relationship with Christ is being fanned into massive on-fire worship. Are we doing and leading in a way that is caring for you and helping you to thrive and to make much of Christ? Is Christ getting all the glory? Or are we somehow stealing that away and destroying? And I have to give account to that. Have to. Stand before God on it. So please hear me. In God's word, it is clear how he wants us to go. And we will follow God's word. We're going to follow through with God's word. And we're going to run as he wants us to run. May his word be lifted up. May he get all the glory. May God be praised with all we've got. That's where we're headed. And all of God's people said... So hear me, man, this, real, this world is weird. It's pushing and it's going to challenge. And there are going to be times where this world is going to want to say things like, you need to stop doing or you need to start doing something. And if you don't start that, if you don't stop that, then we're going to press in on the church, doing whatever, whatever press may be. Maybe they're going to threaten pulling 501c3, that doesn't matter. We stand with God. We stand with his word. Nothing moves us off of worshiping Jesus Christ. We are running hard with him. And if this world calls us to veer off, we don't listen to that. We are running hard after his word, his statement, his leadership. May Christ get all the glory. And all of God's people said, so please hear me, man. This isn't a call to just go ahead and let leaders call us into sin, and this isn't a call for us to collapse. This is a call for us to run together after Jesus Christ with all we've got, okay? That's what he's calling us to, and we will give account to it. I'll say it this way. The church is not, everybody say not, the church is not a man-centered place of politics. is not that, Like it's not meant to be the place where we try to build some kind of quorum and we try to rally people to our charge and then we try to get something. I'm going to make sure that I get enough people to voice that we can change the color of the paint on the walls so that we can get. Have you ever been in that kind of church? Have you ever grown up in that? I mean, you gotta be careful, man. It isn't about some kind of man centered politicking and pushing back and forth. And that is not the goal of the church. The goal of the church is worship on fire. So I'll say it this way the church is not man centered, the church is decidedly God centered. The church is to be decidedly God-centered in all that we go after. Yes to relationship, yes to connecting, yes to caring and partnering together, but God-centered in all that we do, may we lift him up. So I'll say it this way, there should be a worship of God, obviously, a worship of God, but more than just a worship of God, there should also be a purpose from God, From his word, what does he have to say? What does he want us as a church to be going after? A purpose from God. Here we go. Man, may we beat to the drum of what he's calling us to. This series in Revelation and getting a chance to look at seven different churches that were being called out, some things they were doing well, some things they needed to change. Man, I'm fired up to be able to get after this. Let's be a church on fire for God's purpose, worshiping him along the way. So worship of God, purpose from God, and then the last one, and yes, accountability to God. Accountability to God. And uh, if you notice that word accountable, uh, it says in this piece of the verse that we were looking at right here that we will have to give an account. Yes, God ultimately is keeping us in check and he is working with us together and calling us to give account. So yes, worship on fire. Yes, purpose along the way. And yes, accountability before our God. May God get all the glory. Man, please hear me. Our worship has to be fanned into flame, maybe like never before. Let's get after it with all we've got. And all of God's people said, he says, let them do this with joy and not with groaning. Like, let's come alongside of each other. Let's have this leadership structure. Let's put God at the top and let's do this with joy, not with groaning. I'll say it this way. Joy comes when there's unity, Joy comes when there's agreement. Joy comes when we're partnering together and God is just blessing in huge ways. Joy comes when there's a togetherness in the purpose and the plan and we're running side by side, okay? Joy comes when there's unity. I'll say groaning comes when there is disunity. Groaning comes when there's disagreement. Groaning comes when there's, just in general, dissing. You know what I mean? Just put whatever word you want at the end of "dis," and it's going to start to create a stir, and let's be careful with that. Let's not be a church that has a lot of dissing going on, a lot of pushing aside and setting aside and making it be what I want and going after it. Not that. May God get all the glory. He says, uh, let's do this with a joy and not with groaning, and then I love this moment. He says to uh, the people he's writing, for that would be of no advantage to you. The author of Hebrews has taken such depth of insight over these chapters. You see these intense theologies. And in this moment, he sets down all the intense theology, stops and backs up and goes, like, how would that help? That, that was the depth of his argument. Like, how would that help? Why go that way? That's not the best plan to just stir it up. It's just going to go sideways. Let's not go that way. Let's work together on this journey. Make God get all the glory. Right? And then he says, that would be no advantage to you. So pray for us. Notice he doesn't say pray for them. He says, pray for us. He is one of the leaders of the church. He is lumping himself in. So whoever the author of the book of Hebrews is, and you may have your thought about who you think it is or isn't, but whoever you think it is, just know this. Pray for us is a big call out. He's saying, I'm one of the leaders. I'm going after it. We all good? Did we get the coffee cup? Okay. Every once in a while, they fall and roll, and then when they're 10, everybody hears it, right? Okay. Good deal. So uh, I have no idea where I'm at now. Let's see. So pray for us. And uh, bottom line, here's a few things to be praying, okay? This is a call out. Um, If you could go after this, praying for leadership, praying for the church leadership in these four words. Uh, Number one. Discernment, like Lord, please help them to see the brick wall in front of them and not hit it at a hundred miles an hour. And all of God's people said, like, discernment is a huge deal. Being able to see the brick wall and being able to understand that that could hurt to hit, making sure you got it. Second thing to pray for, wisdom. Wisdom. Those are very different words, by the way. You can see the brick wall and have no ability to understand how to get around it and not hurt the church. Lord, please help us have wisdom on how to manage the things we see ahead of us. Discernment and wisdom coming together. Third, patience. Patience. Being able to walk patiently alongside those that are struggling to be able to see it however it needs to be walked through and talked out to be able to rally the church together with a gentleness of heart. Patience. May God get all the glory discernment, wisdom, patience, and then here's the last one, and purity. Purity of heart, purity of hand, purity of mouth. Man, this is a huge deal. We do not accomplish the tasks of God by letting our heart run off. We do not accomplish the task of God with higher levels of whatever sin struggle we may have. May those be put in check and minimized. May God do a healing work in our lives. Man, these are four power things to pray for, and there's a lot more, but at least these discernment and wisdom and patience and purity. Man, if you would please pray for this church, pray for the elders, pray for the staff, pray for me. Pray for our small group leaders, our impact group leaders, that as we rally together, we all can be running in this vein, making much of Jesus Christ. May God get all the glory. He says, for we are sure that we have a clear conscience desiring to act honorably in all things. The author of Hebrews here is like, I'm just telling you, we process through all this, and I'm telling you, we feel really good about where we stand and what we're calling you to go after. Please run with us on this. So the author of Hebrews here, being very frank about a few of the things that they had to call out that the people were questioning on. He's like, I'm telling you, we feel very strongly in it. Hang with us in this. We're having to give account before God. Hang on. Please trust as we go after this. And let's run together in unity. May God get all the glory. Ready? And all of God's people said. He said, I urge you the more earnestly to do this in order that I may be restored to you sooner. In order that I may be restored to you sooner. Now, there's a few different thoughts about what's going on here. It's not real clear what exactly he's saying. For sure, be praying just that God pulls us together. Be praying that I can get to you. Maybe there's been some prison time or something going on that he's been released from and he needs to get back to. Maybe there's some things that are stirring in the body that need to get resolved so that he's allowed to be able to get to that and something's going on. Whatever's happening this, Lord God, may you bring unity. Lord, God, may you bring oneness. Lord, God, may you bring patience and passion and hunger and fervor. Lord, fan the flame of our worship. May we go after you with all we've got. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, and being able to trust leadership in the midst of that and ultimately trusting God who is over all leadership, Lord, I'm handing this to you and I'm trusting you. May God get all the glory. It's a huge call out. You know, I was thinking of an example for this, and and I can say um, it's a little bit outside the church, but it's a similar concept. So we'll go back to when I was in engineering. This was about 22 years ago. That's a long time ago. (laughs) about 22 years ago. I was in engineering. So for those of you who know, I was an engineer for 17 years. So I went to the U of I Champaign, got my double E degree and uh, software programming, chip design. Like I love doing that. Did that for 17 years. Kind of grew up through the ranks and being able to get over more and more. And our division kept growing and ended up with a lot of guys under me technically that we were kind of working together with. And I was responsible for helping run some of these bigger projects with all of us and was having a blast doing it. There was an opportunity that came up in our uh, company that was basically a switch out of that group that I would go over and do a chip design. And I was really excited about it. It was kind of a cutting edge thing and some data packet management, was excited to get over there and work on that. And so I went over, I did the interviewing with them. I ended up winning the job. They said, yeah, sure. We'd love to have you. Let's talk to your director about how and when, and we'll get this worked out. And so they talked to my director. He asked me to come to a lunch with him. So I sat down to lunch. And as we talked, he said, I understand that you went for this chip design job in the other group. And I said, yeah, that's, that's right. And he said, yeah, um, I'm, I'm gonna have to say no. I'm shutting it off. Like I'm not gonna let you go. And I mean, my appetite stopped right there. Like it just shut me off. I set my fork down. I'm just listening a little bit. I'm like, okay, help me understand why. I mean, I've helped other people in our group move on. What are we doing? And we talked it through and he basically said, look, Tim, bottom line, you're over this whole group of engineers. If you leave, it's gonna be mass exodus. Like this project dies if I give you up right now. I need you to stay until we get this project done, which was about two years. So this is a long lockdown. And I'm like, okay, So not at all? And he's like, not at all. I'm like, all right. So I came home, John and I talked about it. Uh, I didn't handle it that well that night as we talked it through. It was a little bit rough. I did not like some of what went on with it, but I was like, okay, fine. We're just gonna have to get good with this. Let's do this. And you know, the boss had said to me, I realize you can leave this company if you want, but I have to do this to protect this project. So I came back the next day and I'm like, all right, I'm in. So I went and met with him and I just said, look, Rick, we're doing this, let's go. And I'll stay with you and we'll make this thing rock, okay? And and he's like, all right, here we go. So we started down the path of doing this board design and, and it ended up having, there was one chip on the market that did this function One chip. And as we started to use it and check with it, it ended up having problems. It had bugs all over it. But one specifically that would make it unusable. And I went back to him and I'm like, just so you know, this chip is broken. It doesn't work. It's got a feature problem. And, and so we talked it out a little bit and he's like, what do we do? And I'm like, I don't, honestly, I don't have a solution right now. Let me keep looking. We looked around. There's no other chips on the market. And I said, okay, look, here's what's broken. We de- figured it out and here's how we could fix it. And so with a little bit of a change on the, a little bit of the change of a chip that I could fix, I could change something else. We can get this thing fixed and get it going again. So let's do it. So I went back to my boss and said, okay, what we can do is I can do some software changes and a chip design change, and we're, we should have it. And he goes, let me get this straight. You could shut this whole thing down saying the chip's broken, and you get to go do the job you want. Dude, I don't get what you're doing. Why are you not just doing that and going? I said, yeah. Rick, I don't work that way. You asked me to do this job. I'm going to do it as best as I can. I'm going to crush it. I'm going to try to do the best I can. And then when you let me go, I'm going. And I'm not doing that beforehand. He's like, I don't understand what you're doing. I said, Rick, I'm going to tell it to you this way. I'm going to work as hard as I can to honor that you're in charge of me. And I am going to work heartily as to the Lord. I am going to crush this for God. May he get the glory. That's where I'm headed with it. And Rick, please don't forget I'm doing this. You know what I'm saying? Like Like, we're going to go through this, and whatever happens, happens, but I'm giving this to you. Here we go. And we cranked through that, and we worked on it, and I'm just telling you, in the next six months, the telecom bubble burst, everything collapsed, the first division cut in full from our company was that group I would have gone over to. 100% I would have lost my job, no questions asked. And instead, I'm sitting over this group helping manage and run a project going on for a couple of years. The organization fell from 10,000 employees to 2,200 employees. Man, God knew what he was doing. I could not see what was going on. I had no view of the bigger picture, but God had a plan. I'm just telling you, in the midst of not getting it, our job is to say, okay, Lord, you're in charge. I'm trusting you. I'm ready to lay this before you. May you get all the glory. And listen, man, my plan was to go do chip design, and God's like, yeah, well, hang on, because in a couple years, you're going to seminary, and you're going to do church design. And... (laughs) And that's more where we're headed. And the job was to run off and get trained in seminary and go off and be a pastor. The chip design thing was not God's plan. And I'm super thrilled to be exactly where I am. And I would have never called it myself. May we trust our God and his leadership and watch God move. And all of God's people said, man, man, may we grip that tight and hold on. It can be tough at times when we don't see the whole picture. Trust me, your God loves you, and he's working through things. Hang on, hang on. So simple question, are you letting God lead? Even when you can't see the whole picture, are you letting God lead? Are you allowing the leaders to lead around you with joy? Or are you making it a time of groaning? May unity be the goal. Ready? And all of God's people said. Point number two. Do the will of God in light of Jesus as your king, your lamb, your high priest, and your very life. Do the will of God in light of Jesus your king. Man, may we respond to Jesus Christ with all we've got. He starts out now. I love that. The summary of all of the book of Hebrews. With Jesus as the son of God, with Jesus as the lamb of God, with Jesus as the great high priest, with this call to us running in faith with him, with this call to understanding all that Christ is, may we respond as a church and understand all that he's providing. It says now, may the God of peace, the God who is paying for my sin, the God who is covering my debt, the God who is welcoming me into heaven, May the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. And Jesus Christ is alive and God the Father has brought him back from the dead. Jesus is alive. Everybody just say he's alive. alive. And please hear me. All too often we get used to just saying church phrases and church words, church ease. And all of a sudden we're like, yeah, Jesus died on the cross. And we get really just simple about it. Like, yeah, Jesus died and rose again. What's for lunch? Like, and all of a sudden, we start taking it too lightly. Be careful. Take this with unbelievable depth. My sin cost me eternal separation, hell forever. That's where I'm headed. But my God... He loves, he provides, he died to take my sin, and he rose again. I have life and life eternal because Jesus Christ took the nails for me, and he took the nails for you. He loves you with all he's got. Don't take it lightly. Don't get used to saying the words and just moving on. These are huge, thunderous theologies. Your God has it in hand. And he has absolutely loved you with all he's got. He's like, hear this. Jesus is risen from the dead. He has conquered death. He has conquered sin. He has provided eternity. Man, never lose sight of that. Death is one in Jesus Christ. He is our victorious king. And all of God's people said, huge privilege. It says... He has been brought alive, the great shepherd of the sheep, Jesus Christ. He provides, he protects, he promises even a future forever with him, and he is present with us always. And I love those four P words, they are solidly out of Psalm 23, as it talks about Jesus, the good shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. And we have this awesome provision and protection and promise and presence of Christ with you in the hurt of this world, and with us forever in eternity. It says, by the blood of the eternal covenant. Notice it does not say by the blood of the old covenant, nor does it say by the blood of the new covenant. It says by the blood of the eternal covenant. Just so we're super clear, Jesus Christ on the cross, dying and rising again, was the plan the whole time. That was the plan. There was one eternal covenant. God rolled in the old to be able to show some shadows of what it might look like, and then God rolls in the new to be able to grasp and jump on. But the eternal covenant is Jesus Christ, him for me. That's always been and always will be the plan. Please hear me. God did not start out going, wow. What do, you, what do you do? Let's try some animal stuff. See if that works. We'll sacrifice some animals. See if it kind of gets the point across. Maybe the, and go, Well, that's not working. Maybe we'll have to, like, not that. Everybody say, not that. No, God had the plan the whole time. He knew exactly where he was headed. And the old covenant was a shadow pointing to the promise of Jesus Christ. And the new gives us hope and how to enter into faith with him. All of it, the eternal covenant. Christ almighty is our hope and our glory it says by the blood of the eternal covenant he equips you with every good that you may do his will he's equipping you so that you can do his will please hear me the call of scripture is not here's what it says to do Not just go do it like that's not it It's not a call to try to make you muster up the muscle to accomplish the unbelievable in the ask. He's not asking you to do things to change your heart. He's changing your heart. He's pouring into your soul. He's changing you one degree at a time. He's equipping you that you can run after him. We've said it this way in the past, three words. Encounter. We encounter the living God in his word. Encounter him in the word. And then we move up to exalt. Worship the God you've just found in that word. Every truth of him. Worship him. Praise him. And as you're worshiping him, in all of his glory, starts pouring over you and changing you. Man, if you're wrestling with patience, find all the passages about the patience of God and worship and praise the God who is so patient. And watch God move mightily. In your life as you celebrate his patience and glory it starts changing your heart to be more like him man as we go after an exalting and a worshiping of find the areas you're weak in and worship your God who is strong there and watch that glory pouring over you change you one little bit at a time encounter exalt and that exalting then leads to engage running forward and acting with all you've got if you just encounter God in the word and run over engage that's the muscling. It's not going to work, man. You're going to get tired fast. It's going to burn out. Give it six, seven, eight weeks max, and there's a burnout. But man, you move to worship every time. You work to move to a celebration of your God, and then let that stunningly move you to action. Watch God rock your world, okay? He says that he's equipping you with every good work. He says, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ working in us that which is pleasing in His sight through Jesus Christ. You change to look more like Christ. Puts a smile on our God's face. As He's changing your heart, as He's rocking your soul, as He's shifting little things in you one degree at a time, may God get all the glory. You, one little bit at a time, saying, God, this is for you, right? He says, to whom be glory forever and ever, amen. It is all about his fame, his name, his praise. It is always about Jesus Christ. Don't miss it. All too often we can start to go after change and as we start to accomplish it, the first thing we want is for somebody to pat us on the back and say, nice job. And I see that change going on in your life. That's really good. And all of a sudden we're looking for self-glory. Man, make sure it's all about him and his glory. Philippians chapter two says that we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you. Please hear me. As we go after it, it is God rocking our world and changing us one little bit at a time. Lord God, rock my world today. I'm ready to worship you with all I've got. He then says, I appeal to you, brothers, Like he's talking about those who have trusted Christ, brothers. He's talking about those who are saved. Everybody say saved. Right, I appeal to you, saved ones. He says, um, bear with my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. Bear with my words of exhortation. Look at the book of Hebrews and go after what I'm telling you. Please go after these words of exhortation. I love he says this. Because I have written to you briefly. (laughs) Does it feel brief? Like we've been going through Hebrews for what, nine months or something, right? It doesn't necessarily feel brief, but here's the reality. That's because we live in a world where once you've texted 140 letters, you, you're, it's too much. Stop, man. Just... Like, more more terse, right? Get more short, right? And so when we talk to each other, we there are one-sentencers, or there's a, an emoji picture, and like that's our kind of world. We get these short amounts, and then we end up turning on, we'll call them, or we'll get on FaceTime, maybe we even Zoom call, and we go to a dinner and we sit. There's all kinds of chat and interaction that we have all throughout days and weeks and months. And when you start to add up the amount of time you text back and forth, you FaceTime back and forth, you call. back and forth now distill that all down to we haven't seen each other for year two three and I wrote one letter and this was it I'm writing to you briefly that's the perspective he's like this was a short connect considering we've been apart for quite a while he's like please follow through with this he said you should know that our brother Timothy has been released just so you know like, people were being put in prison for following Christ, and the letters that they wrote back and forth were like, hey, big deal, so-and-so's gotten out of prison. Hey, praise God, did you know that I know so-and-so just got put in, and Timothy here, right? Hey, did you hear that Pastor Tim just got released from prison? Like, that's what's being sad, Right? Like, we better get ready and we better get used to this fact. The world may push this church hard enough that they're asking us to drop this word. It will not happen. And if that means that we're writing letters back and forth about somebody getting in prison and out of prison, then that's what it is. May God get all the glory. And all of God's people said, huge deal, man. May we go after it together. Thank God Timothy was released. He says, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. He's like, look, man, I'm coming to see you. And if Timothy gets over here, then we'll go together and see you. If he can't get there in time, I'm coming to see you. Like, I'm coming to see you. Can't wait to celebrate together. And then he says, greet all of your leaders and all the saints. Those from Italy, send your greetings. Grace with you all. Men, please hear me. The church is about a vertical worship of Jesus Christ. But the church is also about a powerful, horizontal connecting and community. A unity together where God is put center stage and we rally and run hard. Are you ready to be that church? Man, as we dive into this series in Revelation, we are gonna go hard after a wake up call. God, what does the church need to look like? Know this man, those churches had only been around decades and they already had drifted off. Let's not be that church. Lord God, I am ready to be on fire for you. I'm ready to go after it with you. Vertical worship and have that spill over to a horizontal care as we care for those who have needs. May God get all the glory. May we celebrate the one who is the Lamb of God, who is the great high priest, who builds his church, and may we worship him with all we have. And all of God's people said, let's pray.